You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, welcome to Luke's English Podcast. Here is another episode. Yes, another one. I know I've been uploading loads of episodes recently, and you might be struggling to catch up with all the latest episodes of the podcast. Uh, For example, I've just uploaded eight competition episodes. I know that lots of people are listening to them. My website is being flooded by comments. Um, You know, people are voting uh, for their favorite competition entries. That's great. Um, But um, yeah, so the point is, I know that I've been uploading loads of episodes recently. Uh, You might be finding it difficult to keep up with them all. But um, I suddenly had to record this episode, this one that you're listening to now. I'm kind of in a hurry to upload this one because it's quite timely and current and important. Okay, it's all about Scottish independence. On the 18th of September, which is in just um, just eight days' time, just over a week from now, um, on the 18th of September, the people of Scotland will vote in a referendum to decide if Scotland should remain a part of the United Kingdom or become independent. If they vote yes, and Scotland does become independent from the UK, it would cause massive changes to the way that the UK is organised. It would be the biggest change in UK history for hundreds of years, and it could change everything. Not only the lives of the Scottish people, but also the lives of the English, the Welsh, and the people of Northern Ireland. So, in short, this is a massive story for the UK. And so, naturally, I had to cover it on the podcast. I probably should have done this episode months ago. And in fact, I was planning to do it months ago, just couldn't. But now, with only about a week to go before the referendum vote actually happens, I thought I'd take this opportunity to quickly get this uh, podcast online. So, this episode contains some audio extracts from um, The Guardian's website. I've included these extracts for educational purposes only. The main purpose of this website, after all, teacherluke.co.uk, the main purpose is to help people with their English. But if, um, for some reason, it's deemed that my using these audio samples from The Guardian is a breach of copyright, then I will be happy to remove those audio extracts. I just wanted to say that, but I'm using them um, uh, for educational purposes only. Okay, so um, when you listen to this, um, when you actually listen to this episode about Scottish independence, um, it might be the case that all the votes have already been counted. You might listen to this Um, In a couple of weeks' time, after the referendum has taken place, the votes may have already been counted, and you'll actually know the outcome. You'll know whether Scotland voted yes or no for independence. Um, But still, I need to talk about this right now. I think it's a very big deal for my country, and it has to be acknowledged and dealt with. And I still think that even, even if you listen to it after the referendum has happened, I still think this episode is full of um, very important issues uh, relating to the UK, um, it's not just a question of politics and and just it's not just about the the uh, independence referendum. It's also about the way in which the UK um, is governed, and also about the identity of the UK and the difference between England, Scotland, Britain, uh, Wales, um, you know, Northern Ireland, and so on. If you need a reminder, you let me just 
clarify it again for you. The, the United Kingdom, that's, the, that's uh, the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. So the United Kingdom is basically a union of four nations, England, Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland, okay? So um, Britain, what's, what is Britain? Well, that's basically just the island. It's the landmass of England, Wales and Scotland. That is an island. It's a geographical word, Britain. It just represents the geographical landmass of England, Wales and Scotland, okay? Uh, sometimes it's called Great Britain. Um, but the countries are England, Wales, uh, Scotland and Northern Ireland. And together in this union, it's known as the United Kingdom, okay? Right. So this this episode is actually a lot a lot of it is about politics and you might be thinking oh but politics is boring. Well, I acknowledge a lot of people do find it boring which is kind of a pity. I used to find it boring myself but I'm finding it more and more interesting as I grow up and as I get older. But really it shouldn't be boring. I mean, it's not an entertaining subject you might think. I mean, there are no jokes in there or anything. But the subject is really important, and it's really it's not just about politicians lying and boring the pants off everyone. Really, politics is about the way in which decisions are made that affect the lives of ordinary people. I think everyone should know a bit about politics. It's so important. These days, we're all very cynical. We hate politicians, and we don't engage with the political process, but that's very, very dangerous because if you're not really focusing on what's going on in politics, then what's going to happen? You'll end up not voting or, or only a few people will vote and then we'll, you'll end up being governed by people who you don't like and don't respect and don't understand. So I think everyone has an obligation to connect with politics a bit, even if it's you know not the most entertaining or exciting subject. Um, so, in my opinion, politics isn't boring. It's fascinating, and you have to, f you know, you have to to try and pay attention to it, even if you do need to kind of focus a bit in order to to make sure you don't fall asleep. I think it's worth it. Um, in terms of language in this episode, you can expect vocab relating to matters of political science and sovereignty. But I'm also planning to play you those extracts of people talking about the subject from different points of view. And all of those people um, are Scottish. So you're going to hear a few Scottish voices in this episode, a few Scottish accents. And that's always good for your ears. It's always good to hear a variety of accents in English, as you know. Um, also, we're going to hear a few politicians advocating their position for or against Scottish independence. And it's always interesting just to notice the ways in which politicians structure their arguments. They make a living from persuading people um, through rhetoric when they speak. So it's quite interesting just to listen to the way they construct their arguments, the sorts of phrases that they use, and so on. All right? So the eyes of the world are on Scotland right now. So let's have a look as well. All right? Um, so let's let's now hear actually from um, Al Kennedy, who is a novelist from Dundee, and um, Al Kennedy is going to give a kind of overview of this situation before I carry on. Um, actually, what what you're going to get in this episode actually is a general overview of the Scottish independence situation, which is kind of like everything you need to know about Scottish independence. Then we're going to look at some of the arguments for 
independence, reasons why Scotland should become an independent country. Then after that, we're going to look at arguments against independence, why Scotland shouldn't be independent, why should why it should stay part of the UK. And then finally, we're going to look at some of the possible outcomes of independence. What would happen if Scotland became an independent country. Um, so now let's let's have a listen to um, our first extract. Al Kennedy, a novelist from Dundee in Scotland, giving a kind of overview to this situation. Okay. On September the 18th, something remarkable will happen. For 15 hours, Scotland will have sovereign power. And it can either vote to keep that power or to stay within the United Kingdom some history first. In 1603, James VI of Scotland became James I of England too, having succeeded his cousin Elizabeth. It wasn't until 1707 that two formerly rival countries became permanently politically joined after the Scottish ruling elite invested heavily in the ludicrous Darien colony in the New World and lost everything. In return for promises of compensation and frank bribery, they supported the Union. Since then, the idea that the Union favours landowners and a distant Westminster elite has persisted. Since then, the idea that Scotland is a financially feckless, unruly backwater that couldn't make it alone has persisted. Today, the Better Together campaign is supported by Tories and the right, who have an inability to recognise Scotland and vice versa, which is a stumbling block. It's also supported by Scottish Labour, who would like continuing access to Westminster and business as usual. The Yes campaign is selling a dream. There are details, but they're complex, theoretical, difficult to explain, and yes, has limited media access. The media on the right don't like them, and the media on the left have a horror that without Scottish votes, England could be Tory forever. There are also concerns about Alex Salmon's cult of personality. So yes can seem woolly and reckless. What excites me about the referendum is the fact that it's meant an entire population could really become involved with something that really matters. Voters could step outside party politics, could debate, read, attend meetings, argue, and enjoy what democracy is actually supposed to be about, thoughtfully voting to effect genuine change. Which means that no matter how the vote goes after it, Britain will be a different country. Okay, so that was Al Kennedy there talking about um, just the general overview. Um, she doesn't have a, a very strong Scottish accent, let's say. I mean, it's it's not really, really noticeable that she's from Scotland, if you were wondering. Also, she, you may have noticed she doesn't really give an opinion whether she thinks Scotland should become uh, independent or not. She's really just passionate about the idea that um, the Scottish people would be engaged in the full democratic process um, by this referendum. Um, so, okay. Now, um, also, I just want to esta establish here that the situation in Scotland, obviously, you might think it's only focusing on this one place and that you might not be invested in it yourselves as citizens of the world. 
but the situation in Scotland does mirror the situations of many other nations around the world that are seeking independence. Um, perhaps you can relate to the Scottish situation if you have a similar example in your country, for example. All right. Um, I'm going to, um, we're going to come back to some of the things that Al Kennedy there said in a moment when I talk about um, the, the, the context for Scottish independence. But first of all, I just wanted to say, just as a way of hopefully bringing you further into this situation, thinking of Scottish independence um, in a broader sense makes me think of some of these things, like the, just questions, basically. Like, for example, how do you define a nation? If you could start from scratch and you could create a new country, what kind of constitution would it have? Would it be a monarchy, a republic? Would your nation be part of a union or federation of other nations? How much administrative control would you give to that union? What would your economy be based on? Would you who would you who would be your trading partners who would you do business with and how would you establish those trading relationships what currency would you choose for your new nation would you need an army uh, what kind of foreign policy would you have and how would this affect the people at home in your country but also your neighbors who live near you would it help them or harm them um, do you care about your neighbors why or why not what is the historical background of your relationship with your neighbours, and to what extent does that define your foreign policy towards them? What's the economic situation in your country, and what's the economic situation in the world in general? Um, if, there are, if, if things are tough and there's no money, who's to blame for this situation? Should certain people be punished? How can you be sure that you're blaming the right people? What are the dangers of becoming isolated from the rest of the world? What are the dangers of pushing nationalistic propaganda on your people? How will you be seen by the rest of the world? Would you want your new nation to be friends with America or China or Russia? Is it possible to be friends with everyone? Would you like to be in the European Union? There's my Skype <laughs> making a noise. Would you like to be in the European Union? Um, what about that little island which exists just off the coast of your country are you ready to send your young men and women out to die fighting in a war for it is it worth risking everything in order to feel that old scores have been settled and that you can proudly hold up your head and say that you're living in a free country who's going to be the new leader of your new nation do you trust this person who's going to be the head of state how about the Queen or someone else? Does it matter what celebrities and rock stars say about your new nation and your policies? Do you have oil in your new country? Are you happy to live in affluence in your country while your neighbours suffer in poverty next door? Do you have an obligation to look after them? Are flags important? Does it matter what your flag looks like? How about the language that people speak in your country? Is it more important that they speak the traditional local language than to be able to communicate with the rest of the world? If a small region in your country wants to govern themselves, should they automatically have the right to do it? Who can really make these decisions with 100% authority and 100% certainty? Don't people have a right to full representation in a fully functioning parliament? 
Does democracy even work? Or is it just too compromised? Why don't people care more about the political process in their country? How are the corporations and capitalists involved in the running of your new nation? Is it fair that they have so much influence on the decision-making? How much of this is about greed, money and capital gain? And how much of it is about tribalism and nationalistic rhetoric? And how much of it is just about trying to help as many people live the right lives that they can? Um, these are the questions which come to my mind when I think of this subject, and I think they're all pretty universal questions that you could apply to any nation. Perhaps you could consider how this applies to your home country. But for now, let's look at Scotland, okay? The land of tartan, kilts, haggis, beautiful rugged countryside, Scotch whiskey, the Edinburgh Festival, gorgeous accents, incomprehensible drunks, train spotting, James McAvoy, the Loch Ness Monster, and so many other wonderful things which I am simply unaware of and which I can't list now. I understand that talking about this, I am basically, well, I am an Englishman. What does that mean? Well, that's up to you to decide. Now, let's look at the uh, contents of this episode. I've already said this. General overview first, arguments for, arguments against, then the outcome of independence. Let's begin with a general overview of the situation. So, you know that the referendum um, is scheduled to happen on the 18th of September. Maybe it's already happened if you're listening to this um, after I've recorded this. Um, this will be the biggest constitutional decision in the history of Scotland. Um, the question which will be on the um, ballot paper is going to be, should Scotland become an independent country? Yes or no? It's very simple. Should Scotland become an independent country? Yes or no? And this is something you can be thinking about during this episode. I'd like to know your opinion. Leave a comment, of course, teacherluke.co.uk. What do you think? Should Scotland become an independent country? Yes or no? Maybe you can give a quick reason why as well. Now, um, what what is the UK and what does independence mean? Well, I've already established what the UK is, haven't I? That Scotland is in this union with England, Wales and Northern Ireland. Um, you should know, of course, that England is the biggest country in the Union, and it has more, you know, it has a bigger population than all the other countries. Scotland's the second biggest, with the second biggest population. Then it's Wales, then it's Northern Ireland. Now, as you heard um, in that audio extract, Scotland and England were united um, on the 1st of May 1707, just, just over 300 years ago. That's when the Parliament of Great Britain was formed, okay? So previously, Scotland and England were ruled, you know, separately, and then they were joined in 1707. And um, the Parliament of Great Britain was formed. And where did the Parliament of Great Britain set up their, their headquarters? Well, it was in Westminster in London. So first of all, you might think, well, does that seem fair that all the Scottish people are being um, uh, ruled by a, uh, a parliament way down in the southeast of England, hundreds of miles away. It might seem unfair. I wonder. Um, Ireland, of course, joined the Union in 1800, and then later on in in 1920, um, in 1920, uh, the southern counties, 26 southern counties of Ireland, broke away. That became the Republic of Ireland. But Northern Ireland stayed uh, part of the United Kingdom. Obviously, there are various troubles that have occurred in Northern Ireland, and that's a separate story for another time. Um, 
Why did Scotland join into a union with England? Scotland and England were rival countries for many, many, many years. We had lots of battles. Um, you've seen Braveheart, the movie, I expect, the Mel Gibson film. It's not really a historically accurate film. It's a very engaging, very exciting action movie, um, but it's not very historically accurate. You shouldn't use Braveheart as your benchmark for Scottish-English relations. Although it's it's pretty clear from that film that the English were the bad guys. Well, that's debatable as well. Um, anyway, maybe England treated Scotland pretty badly. Maybe the Union was a little bit unfair. Um, these, these are all points that are open to discussion. Um, but really, England wanted to keep Scotland under control, let's say. They didn't want the Scottish to choose a different monarch, like a different king or queen, from the one on the English throne. They were, they, they were fed up, basically, with being challenged by Scotland. Um, now, Scotland, as I said, Scotland and England had been rivals for centuries. Maybe the English wanted to put a stop to the, to, to the um, you know, the... Um, sort of the the battles with Scotland. Scotland joined the Union primarily for economic reasons. Now, the country at that time was completely broke, okay? Why? Well, at, at, at that time, there was a lot of um, um, sort of colonisation going on, and Scotland got involved. They tried to colonise a section of Panama in the late 1690s, and they basically used up all of their money trying to do it. And they lost everything. The, um, the colonisation failed and they lost all of their money. So Scotland was completely broke. And England basically made a deal with the Scottish saying that they would offer them compensation. They would agree to bail them out in return for a union. You could call it bribery. That means they paid Scotland in order to get them into the union. Perhaps now the Scottish people feel that they're in a stronger economic position than they were 300 years ago. And that may be why now they're sort of ready to get, get out and become independent again. We'll see. Um, perhaps the Scottish people fe felt like they were forced into the Union in the first place and that they had to pay for their economic mistakes by giving up some sovereignty and decision-making power to, um, to England in the form of the United Kingdom. Complicated history that's for sure now the home rule movement home rule is the expression we use to describe um scotland's um movement towards uh independence or ruling itself home rule it's called um there's been a home rule movement for ages in scotland um and since the mid-1850s, people have been campaigning for some kind of independence. Um, this became more realistic for Scotland in the second half of the last century, after the 1960s, basically, when uh, the UK uh, were decolonising uh, former colonies, sort of giving them, giving independence back to its former colonies, particularly in Africa. And the Scottish people clearly felt that they wanted a slice of that pie as well. Um, so the mood of the moment was decolonisation. In the 1990s, later on, under Tony Blair's government, a, a devolution agreement was signed, okay? Devolution, that, this basically means decentralization. It means giving more power to local regions. Instead of, it, instead of everything being controlled by London, 
devolution means um, giving some power back to to uh, local regions okay for example giving more power to scotland to govern itself more power to wales and more power to northern ireland okay um so it th this involved westminster as i said giving more power to holyrood which is the uh parliament in scotland um so that they could make more decisions that relate only to scotland but without having full sovereignty. So devolution just means having more decision-making power, but it's not full um, sovereign independence. Westminster uh, can still make large decisions and still write laws that affect many aspects of life in Scotland, but Scotland can also vote on local laws. Okay, So it's not full independence. That's devolution. That happened in the 90s. So basically the movement has been... Uh, towards Scotland having more independent power. All right, uh, the leader of the Scottish National Party, or the SNP, is called Alex Salmond. Not Alex Salmon, like a fish, but Alex Salmond. I mean, Scotland is well known for producing salmon, so maybe that's how you can remember this guy's name. Think of Scottish salmon, and just add a D on the end, Salmond. So his name's Alex Salmond, okay? He's been campaigning for a referendum on Scottish independence for years. In 2011, his party won control of the Scottish Parliament, okay? So the SNP became the governing party in Scotland. And this gave um, Alex Salmond a lot more power and an opportunity then to push for referendum, to, to push for a referendum on independence. So it allowed him to start trying to persuade Westminster to allow him to have a referendum on independence. The UK government agreed to give them the power to hold a referendum. Now, you might think at this point, why did they let, why did they let them do it? Why did David Cameron just go, OK, you can have a referendum? Why did he let them do it? Well, um, it's democracy, isn't it? If the people want it in Scotland, then he can hardly refuse to give it to them. I mean, he's not a dictator. You might not agree agree with the way he does things but he's not a dictator he can't refuse um, um, to give them a referendum if they want it um, but uh, David Cameron probably gave Alex Salmond the option to have a referendum because he thought that the Scottish people would vote no David Cameron doesn't want Scotland to become independent in fact not many people in England want Scotland to become independent. So I imagine that David Cameron agreed to give um, Scotland a referendum uh, while probably thinking that it wasn't going to happen or that, that they would vote no. Okay, so here we are now. The referendum is happening on the 18th of September and a yes vote could massively change the UK. But what do Scottish people actually want? What do they actually want? Now, it's a great opportunity for democracy to happen in a, in a, in a very powerful way in Scotland. But, but what do the Scottish people really want? Um, what do the polls say? That's what we need to find out. Polls, um, opinion polls, these are um, ways of measuring public opinion. Okay, So it's like basically asking people questions on uh, if they're going to vote yes or no and then using the, the data as a way of predicting what uh, the result of the referendum will be. These are called polls, P-O-L-L-S, polls. All right. Um, so about a month ago, the polls showed that the situation was about 65% no and 35% yes. So at that time, most people didn't want independence. 
okay? 35% still quite a, a high number, but um, it's the minority, that most people wanted uh, to stay part of the UK. That was a month ago. Now, after a month of um, very dynamic um, uh, campaigning, um, things have changed a little bit. And now, just a week before the, uh, the referendum, polls show 49% no and 51% yes. So it seems that slightly more people want to be independent now. In fact, the majority now want uh, independence. Okay? Um, polls can be misleading, though, so we should kind of take this information with a bit of a pinch of salt. The, um, for example, the poll... How could polls be misleading? Well, the... the um, that poll of 49% no, 51% yes, could scare more people into voting no. If you don't really want independence and you see that poll, you might think, my God, I better go and vote. So it could scare more people into voting no. And it could also make the yes voters more complacent. If you, if you want yes, but you're kind of a lazy person, you might see, oh, 51% yes, it's going to be a yes vote. I don't need to vote, you know? Um, so... It could actually, the poll could actually affect things. So we don't know. Um, also, in the final moment, it seems that people tend to suddenly get a bit more conservative and vote for the status quo. Status quo means the current situation. So people tend to, uh, on the final day, vote not vote against change. And they tend to vote for things to stay the same often. So people get a little bit scared of change. Also, uh, I still believe that a no vote is more likely, but I could be wrong. It could easily be a yes vote. We'll find out probably within about 12 hours of the referendum closing, maybe even less. So by the morning of the next day, we should probably have a pretty good idea um, what the result will be. If it is a yes, then Alex Salmond has suggested that Scotland's Independence Day uh, will happen in March sometime in 2016. So there'll be, um, you know, over a year of planning and administration and stuff and work before Scotland actually gets its independence, um, if the result is yes. Um, so the, also the SNP, SNP would probably have a massive party after the referendum, if it's a yes. And then they would have to do some very serious and difficult constitutional planning, which would involve things like the currency, whether or not they should join the EU, how to pay off the national debt, um, details about the flag, for example, uh, passport control. Would it be necessary to have you know strict border controls? Um, ownership of the oil fields, uh, nuclear submarines, the Olympic team, uh, the Queen. Would the Queen still be head of state? We're going to look at all of this information in a bit more detail in a moment. If the response is no, then things will still change a lot. Uh, Westminster has promised to give Scotland even more devolved power, uh, like fully devolved power, which is known as Devo Max, which would allow them to control much more than they do now without actually giving them full in, uh, full sovereignty. Um, so here's some complex stuff about the UK, about how the UK is governed. I'm now going to tell you some complicated things about the way the UK is governed. Uh, it's complicated. It, you might find it difficult to understand, but it's important just to get a, an, an overview of, of, of this situation, okay? So as I've said, the UK is four countries, United United, England, Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland. Now the government for the UK resides in Westminster in London in the Houses of Parliament. 
in the House of Commons, that's one of the rooms in the Houses of Parliament, that's the big room, green furniture, that's where all the MPs shout at each other. So in the House of Commons, there are seats which represent different regions across the UK, small regions all over England, Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland. Now each region is called a constituency, and for each constituency there is a seat in Westminster, and sitting in each seat there is an MP who was chosen by the people of that constituency, okay? Um, so I vote, for example, you know, um, in if I'm in Hammersmith, I vote for an MP for my constituency, and um, you know, the result of that election means that one person sits in Commons and represents uh, my views and the views of the people who live in my area. Okay, so these MPs or members of Parliament that have been chosen, they discuss and vote on decisions that affect the whole country. Okay, laws are then passed for the UK as a whole. But because they have, devol they have devolved powers, Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland have devolved parliaments of their own. And they can make some local laws or adapt some of the laws from Westminster. England doesn't have a devolved parliament, so England can't adapt UK laws because they're the same. So any laws made in Westminster apply automatically to England and then Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland can adapt them a little bit except for some laws, all right? This is really complicated and weird, and I know, um, but we, we'll come back to it. Right, so anyway, the main point is there are more English MPs in Westminster than Scottish, Welsh, or Northern Irish MPs. And this means that they have more power over decision-making. So the decisions of Westminster tend to favour England because there are more English MPs voting. So the Scottish people feel a bit annoyed by this, because they're being given laws which were sort of passed by mainly English people, okay? They don't feel properly represented. Even though they do have some local power, it's not enough for them. They want full independence from the, from, from the English, okay? Um, there are two campaigns for and against independence. The campaign for is called Yes Scotland. So, you know, they've printed posters and they're campaigning in the streets and they're going on TV and doing lots of publicity. That's Yes Scotland, okay? Now, the campaign against, it's not called No Scotland, no. It's called Better Together. So you've got Let Yes Scotland and Better Together. Let's have a look at some of their arguments. And we're going to begin with Yes Scotland, who believe that Scotland should become an independent country, okay? Now, let's have a look at some of these arguments. The first one is an economic one. And it says that the Scots will be able to decide how their money is spent. So Scotland has oil reserves in the North Sea. And if independent, Scotland would be able to claim these oil reserves. And they could make Scotland one of the wealthiest nations in Europe. At the moment, these oil reserves are claimed by Westminster and exported or sold to energy companies to be used across the whole of the UK. Some people argue that careful managing of this resource could allow Scotland to become a super-rich country, like Norway or Switzerland, and they could just spend that money helping their people more effectively. But the money question is not just related to oil. It also means that the Scots would be able to carefully manage uh, their economy and how much money that they give to their citizens in the form of welfare and how it would deal with its pensions debt. Um, okay, the Yes campaigners 
believe that the Scottish people don't get fair treatment or representation by the government in London, and independence would allow them to make economic decisions that would be more suitable for Scottish people. For example, winter allowances. This is just a small example. A winter allowance. This is a kind of welfare. Um, let's say you're an old person, you're a pensioner, and in the winter you need to use more electricity to heat up your home and so um, the government decides they're going to give you a little bit more money in the winter okay that's called the winter allowance and the government sets the rate of the winter allowance but if you're in scotland it's much colder up there than it is in in you know kent in the south of england so the point is that if the winter allowance which is set for the UK, it's not necessarily fair for the Scottish because they need more money, they need to heat their homes more. So that's just an example of how um, sometimes the Scottish people are not fully represented. Are you still paying attention to this? Okay, I know this is about politics and it's all a bit complex, but just think about, rather than thinking about, you know, policies and all that stuff, think just about, like, think about the flag, Okay, of Britain, the the UK's flag, the Union Jack. You know that flag that everyone knows that's sort of blue with you know, it's you know. Do you know how that? Do you know the story of that flag? It's basically a combination of the flags of the different countries in the UK. So you've got uh, the blue flag, which is the Scottish flag. It's blue with a diagonal white cross. Okay, then on top of that, you've got uh, the English flag, which you know is a sort of horizontal and vertical red cross on a white background. So that's represented in the Union Jack as a, um, a red horizontal and vertical cross on a, with a slight white border around it. Um, and then behind that you've got, you know, blue with a, with a diagonal white uh, cross. And then um, Wales is represented by red lines, red diagonal lines. Why? Because of the red dragon. On the red, on the Welsh flag, the Welsh flag is brilliant. It's amazing. It's it's a, a huge red dragon on a kind of green with a with a standing on the grass. It looks brilliant. And for some reason, in the Union Jack, the the Welsh dragon is represented by red lines. I mean, it would be awesome if there was a dragon in there somewhere. But anyway, um, so the the red lines that you see diagonally, those are the ones that represent the red dragon. Now, for Northern Ireland, basically their flag is the same as the English flag. So it's it's sort of the 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 red f uh, cross on a white background. Apparently, in the Union Jack, is also uh, representing Northern Ireland. All right, think of that flag. You see it on it, it's sort of fashionable. You see it on T-shirts and stuff like that. Uh, if the if the UK was broken up, then would that flag still exist? I mean, that's just one of the many things that are involved in this debate. Um, so I just told you about winter allowances. Let's hear from someone called Nicola Sturgeon, who is a, a member of the Scottish Parliament and the deputy leader of the SNP. Okay, so you've got Alex Salmond is the leader. This is Nicola Sturgeon. She's the deputy leader, sort of the, the, the VP, you know, the vice president sort of thing. Um, and uh, she's going to just tell us about how independence would allow the Scottish people to, to decide how to spend their money more carefully. Scotland is one of the wealthiest countries in the world. 
Being independent means that decisions about how we use our vast wealth and decisions that determine and shape the kind of country we will be in the future are taken here in Scotland, not at Westminster by politicians hundreds of miles away. Being independent means that we can choose to invest in better childcare rather than waste money on nuclear weapons. It means that we can have an economic policy designed to create opportunities for our young people. It means that we can have a social security system that protects the vulnerable and lifts people out of poverty instead of pushing them deeper into it. Independence in short means that the people who live in Scotland, who work in Scotland, who run businesses in Scotland are the people who take the decisions that shape our future. Independence is about building a better country, not overnight but over time, making sure that we are the best we can be for everybody who lives in Scotland now and even more importantly for our children and for our grandchildren. Okay, so that was Nicola Sturgeon. You can hear her Scottish accent there, make, making a, a point that uh, um, they'd be able to spend their money more effectively. Okay, so another point um, in favour of Scottish independence is uh, the idea that Scottish people would be represented by the people that they vote for. So generally speaking, Eng England tends to vote Conservative, okay? And Scotland tends to vote to the left, Um Right. Um, OK, hold on. England tends to vote Conservative and Scotland tends to vote left. Um, the English are a bit more right wing. The Scottish are a bit more left wing. The further north you go in the UK, the more people vote um, Labour or, or Scottish National Party. And the further south that you go, the more people vote for the Conservatives. And these days, the United Kingdom Independence Party as well. So, in elections, the Scots never really vote for the Conservatives, but they often get the Conservatives in government because of all the English people who vote for them. And there are more English people than Scottish people. So, time and time again, the Scottish people are represented by Tory governments that they didn't vote for. Just to clarify, on the political spectrum in the in the UK, you know, you've got left, middle and right. Traditionally, we have Labour on the left. In the middle, you have the Liberal Democrats um, who don't get many votes normally. Then on the right, you have the Conservatives. And then further to the right of them, you have the United Kingdom Independence Party, who mainly don't want to be in Europe. All right. Um, so left is Labour, right is Conservative. Um, and if the Labour Party tend to rely on votes in Scotland and Wales because more people vote Labour in Scotland and Wales or, or even the north of England as well. The Conservatives, who are right-wing, basically, tend to get more votes from England and the south of England. Okay, So ultimately, independence would make Scotland a more democratic place, this is what the argument is, and that they'd be represented by the people they vote for rather than being represented by sort of right-wing Conservatives, also known as the Tories, um, who they didn't really vote for. A lot of Scottish people are really pissed off with the Conservatives. Uh, why? Because, well, the Conservatives are right-wing, and generally Scotland seems to be quite a left-wing place. Um, the Conservatives like to cut public spending, so they don't like to spend money on the public, they don't like to, you know, um, pay lots of welfare, and so on. And so the money... Uh, under a Conservative government often doesn't go into the communities in Scotland that really need funding. Also, the Conservatives 
an argument against the Conservatives is that they are that the party is made up of elitist English posh people who went to very exclusive schools, um, and that um, most Scottish people don't like these guys. They don't feel like they ca- they don't feel like the Conservatives care about them. And they don't want to be represented by them. So uh, they're from a completely different world to most Scottish people. Tories, Conservatives, I mean, let's look at David Cameron, for example. He went to Eton, one of the most exclusive schools. He's um, he's part of a kind of world of of of, um, of exclusive money and um, privilege. And the, one of the most common criticisms of David Cameron and his party is that they represent the rich and they don't represent most ordinary people. Um, okay, so Thatcher, Margaret Thatcher, for example, was a conservative. She didn't really seem to care about the Scottish people. Okay, um, she introduced policy, policies that caused massive unemployment and poverty in that region. And she did it really in order to break the workers' unions, in order to get more control over the economy. And and who did she serve by doing that? Well, not necessarily ordinary working-class Scottish people, but she served big businesses who are probably owned, big businesses which are probably owned by rich, conservative English people from the South. Okay? So so this is why the, the, the Scottish people are fed up with being represented by the Tories, who um, they feel don't represent them. And it's not just the Scottish. I mean, this is a feeling that you get all over the UK, that um, the Conservatives um, are very unpopular with lots of people uh, for these reasons. Why are the Conservatives in government? Well, to be honest, they didn't get a majority in the last election. And what they did is they formed a coalition with the Liberal Democrats. Liberal Democrats sort of occupy the middle ground. And Liberal Democrats decided, OK, let's join with the Conservatives because we could use this as an opportunity to finally get into government. We'll never get into the government without joining a, uh, a coalition. And we might be able to try and drag the Tories a little bit to the left and try and you know, uh, also introduce some of our policies that we care about, like electoral reform and things like that. In reality, what happened is that the Conservatives kind of steamrolled the Liberal Democrats. The Liberal Democrats sort of were, you know, forced to be a bit flexible and they compromised some of their ideas. And basically, we've got a Conservative government, okay, despite the fact that they didn't really get a full majority in the election. Um, Let's now hear from someone else. This is Leslie Riddock, and she is a community activist, and she's going to be talking about um, how... um, getting um, independence would mean that the Scottish people would get the proper democracy that they want within the UK. So here's Leslie Riddock. Who are the Scots? Are we just a bunch of braveheart, obsessed, subsidy junkie, English-hating, tartan-clad folk who nonetheless are not that different from everyone else in the UK and just need to learn to grow up and accept the fact? Well, actually, I think we're a nation of people who've been voting for a social democracy for the last 80 years and have finally come to the conclusion we ain't going to get one within the United Kingdom. If you look at the last Westminster election, 2010, there was... uh, Just over 1% of MPs elected in Scotland were Tories, 20% in Wales were Tories, and 56% in England were Tories. Now, those are dramatically different outcomes. 
And it's almost impossible for the Scots to realise the different political culture we've got here within such an elitist, top-down sort of Britain. If it isn't going to change, we've got the chance to do something about it by voting to set up a new state, a new Scotland, on September the 18th. And I hope we take it. Okay, so... Perhaps this strong yes campaign is a reaction to the strict privatisation and the austere economic measures of our current Conservative government. I really, really hope that the Tories don't ruin everything by alienating the Scottish people. Their policies, their tough economic stance um, could lead to the, the Scottish people exiting the UK. It could cause the UK to break up. It could be the end of the United Kingdom as we know it. And in my opinion, that would be a bad thing because I like the United Kingdom. I think that we're stronger together. And it would be unfortunately, it would be unfortunate for the Scottish people to feel so disenfranchised by the Conservatives that they would be willing to sort of um, sever ties with us forever. Um, ultimately, many people believe that independence would create a more fair and equal society in Scotland, um, a place that would be able to deal with problems like child poverty, child poverty and health care. Um, Scotland um, could redirect more money into areas that are important for its people. Okay, um, let's let's just hear from one other person. This is Elaine C. Smith, and she's an actress and comedian, and she's basically talking about voting for independence as a way of breaking away from old governments in Westminster. Here she is. I'm voting yes because I'm voting for change. I'm voting for a break away from the old, if you like. Over successive uh, governments, UK governments in Westminster, over these past 30 to 40 years, I have been aware, as many have, that those people who should be served properly by governments uh, are not being served that way. As uh, Westminster has moved more and more to the right, as the Labour Party has abandoned many of the principles that it was founded on and that people in their truckloads in Scotland were voting for, that is no longer the case anymore. I do not believe that Westminster is fixable. In fact, I believe it will only properly fix when Scotland becomes independent because it will be forced to. So I will be actively working and supporting a yes vote. Okay, right. Now let's move on to the no campaign, okay, which is otherwise known as Better Together. Uh, And this is the campaign um, with the opinion that Scotland should not become an independent country, okay? So um, we start with the idea that independence is actually not a magic solution to all of Scotland's problems, okay? That it's being bandied around, it's being expressed by the Yes campaign as if this is going to solve absolutely every problem that Scotland has. Well, no, it's not, in fact, a magic solution, So um, it's easy to get carried away by nationalistic sentiment, by the sort of um, rhetoric which is used to inspire people to vote yes because they want some sort of sense of national identity and it's a very romantic idea. Um, So this can blind people to the reality of what's actually going on, that independence could in fact cause even more problems than it would solve. Um, No campaigners believe that the um, Scottish National Party's policy for the future is actually full of unrealistic and impossible promises. And it's based on projections um, 
the, the projections in their policy are based on a very unpredictable view of the future for Scotland. So the SNP are promising things, but they're promising things in a future that they can't really predict or control. Okay, so it's very tempting to be carried away by these promises. But when you look at them in the cold light of day, um, it seems that actually um, it, it's going to be much, much harder to, to make these things happen. Um, it's very tempting to see independence as a great thing. The, it's like the Braveheart version. You know, freedom, freedom. But in reality, it could be very complicated and problematic. Think, for example, of all the different economic situations. Um, think, think of the difficult economic situation that exists in Europe at the moment. The recession. Is this a good time to go off alone, a small nation, in the context of a huge global uncertainty? Is this the right time to go off alone when everything seems to be so un unsure? It seems very, ri very risky from an, uh, an economic point of view. And also the oil isn't necessarily a permanent solution. It's likely to run out, in fact, fairly quickly. And then what would Scotland do when the, when the oil ran out? The oil might, in fact, be rather a short-term solution. Okay, let's hear from someone um, um, supporting the No campaign. And this is Joanne Lamont, and she is a member of Scottish Parliament, and she's the leader of the, the Scottish Labour Party. On September the 18th, I want the people of Scotland to vote no. As proud Scots, I believe they can vote no. It's a vote both with our head and our heart. My head tells me we should vote no because the economic forecasts tell us it will be more difficult to create the opportunities in Scotland outside the United Kingdom. It makes sense to me that welfare and pensions should be funded right across the United Kingdom population of 60 million rather than 6 million. And I want a shared currency with the rest of the United Kingdom with political representation. And we can only have that if we're part of the United Kingdom. But my heart tells me too that we should vote no. I want a country that looks out to cooperate with our friends and neighbours. I want a country that's determined to break down barriers, not to build them up. And I want a country where we express our sovereignty. The sovereign right of the people of Scotland to make their decision should be to stay in partnership with our friends and neighbours across the whole of the United Kingdom so that we can create a fairer, more equal society. Okay, so um, why would Scotland want to break away from its friends in the UK? Don't they care about the people in the rest of the UK who actually need their support? Um, independence could be interpreted as a very selfish act, in fact. Also, the No campaign are attempting to remind people that Scotland has an integral part um, to play in the way that the UK has been built over the last 100 years. That Scotland has been uh, central to some of the great um, accomplishments in the UK of, of recent years. Okay, Now, let's listen now to Alistair Darling, who um, is the... Member of he's a member of Parliament, and he used to be the the Chancellor of the Exchequer. Um, but what's the Chancellor of the Exchequer? It's basically the Finance Minister. So Alistair Darling, uh, he's a Labour MP in Westminster. He used to be in charge of the economy during the the, the Labour government, and let's hear him um, arguing that Scotland should be valued should value itself as as part of the UK because. Um, it helped to create such important institutions like the welfare state and the BBC. 
For most people living in Scotland, they enjoy the advantages of being part of something bigger. You know, we're very proud of being in Scotland, of living and working in Scotland, but at the same time, we value being part of the United Kingdom. You know, look at our history. We created the NHS together, we created the welfare state together, uh, we created the BBC together. The things that we value and hold together actually matter to the vast majority of people in Scotland. And also I think there's something else. I can be fiercely proud of being Scottish, but I can also be proud of the fact that I'm British as well, and I don't want to choose, and I don't have to choose between them. And I think most people living in Scotland recognise the advantages that we can have with a strong Scottish Parliament, more powers guaranteed. At the same time, you get the advantages, the opportunities and strength that come from being part of the United Kingdom. And you're asking a lot for us to take the risks all the unknowns of breaking away from our neighbours of the last 300 years and taking on all the risks in a very uncertain world where I think we can do so much better, both by being Scottish but also being part of something bigger, which is why I think the majority of people are saying no thanks to the risks of independence and saying yes, we'll stay in the United Kingdom. So there's Alistair Darling, another another Scottish voice, um, in this case arguing against independence. Um, talking about the contribution that Scotland has made to the achievements of the UK and how it should feel part of the UK, and also um, the fact that the risks of going alone would be, you know, very high. Um, He also talked about devolution, that uh, devolution has been a success and it will continue to be. Remember, devolution means giving more power to Scotland without actually giving them full sovereign independence. He argues that further devolution is in fact on the way. Um, Alistair Darling is the is the head of the Better Together campaign. Um, in fact, the, I, I believe that uh, Westminster has promised Scotland uh, much more devolution if they um, vote no, um, and that devolution is a good a good answer to the the many of the issues that the Scottish people face regarding being um, represented properly. Um, So there's no need to break up the entire United Kingdom. Scotland will get the powers and representation they want in the form of devolution. That's another argument there um, against independence. And let's just hear from one more person. Uh, This is Ruth Davidson. She's a, a member of Scottish Parliament. She's the leader of the Scottish Conservatives. Okay, so um, so the Conservatives are normally associated with England, sort of slightly right wing, but the, the, there are Conservatives in Scotland as well, and um, the Conservatives tend to be more traditional. Uh, they tend to be slightly more change resistant. Uh, here is Ruth Davidson from Scotland arguing against independence because um, as far as she's concerned, when part of the UK, Scotland gets the best of both worlds. I believe Scotland is best served as part of the United Kingdom because it's our United Kingdom. We helped build it and every success that it has is our success too because we've led the development of the UK over the last 300 years. I also think in Scotland we get the best of both worlds. We have a strong Scottish Parliament already in charge of health, of education, of police, of justice measures, but with more powers coming too. And we get the strength and security of being part of something bigger. So the UK has a seat at the top table in NATO, in the G7, the G8, the G20. We have a permanent seat in the Security Council of the United Nations. We have one of the strongest currencies in the world. And if you look at 
how we go out and sell ourselves to the world in Scotland, primarily that is to the rest of the UK. We sell more to England, Wales and Northern Ireland than we do to the rest of the world combined. In fact, twice as much. You take all of your Americas and Chinas and Japans and the rest of the EU, put it together, and we sell twice as much to England, Wales and Northern Ireland. So I don't want to see our biggest market become our biggest competitor. I don't want to see our friends become our competitors either. I think we have the best of both worlds, and that's how I want it to stay. So there you go. You've heard some arguments um, for independence, some arguments against. I wonder what you think on balance. I hope that you've considered both sides of the argument equally and that you haven't let yourself get carried away by sort of that Braveheart sensibility. Um, Now, um, okay, let's have a look at some of the outcomes of independence. What would actually happen if Scotland voted yes? What would happen if they chose to, um, to leave the UK? Um, well, it's not completely clear because all the details haven't been decided yet. You know, um, First of all, they need to actually get a decision on yes or no, and then they need to kind of fill in all the gaps and actually make all the decisions. But here are some of the possibilities. Here are certainly some of the things that they would have to deal with. Here are some things that could happen. I'm not saying all of these things will happen. These are just some things that could happen. Okay, so first of all, Scotland would not be part of the UK anymore. All right, that's it. It would be the United Kingdom of England, Wales and Northern Ireland. No Scotland. But surely, if that happened, the Welsh and the Northern Irish would probably not feel very happy about being dominated by the English without the balancing force of Scotland on board. So I imagine that Wales and Northern Ireland would probably follow Scotland's example, or either either that or they would just be stuck in a difficult situation. Imagine that being in Wales, they would look at the Scottish and think, well, the Scottish did it, they became independent, it was difficult, but they had oil and stuff. So maybe it was more attractive proposition for them. But now we're stuck with the English. We don't have the Scottish to kind of help balance this out. And the Welsh might think, well, maybe we can become independent too. But it would actually be, I think it would be harder for the Welsh. I'm not saying that they couldn't do it because Wales has a lot to offer. But it would put them in a slightly difficult situation. Um, So anyway, it would compromise the United Kingdom. It would compromise the Union. England might go off on its, you know, we might just be England on our own. And for some reason, I find that less attractive. Like, for example, uh, let's let's go back to the example of flags. And I'm not just talking about the design and how the, the uh, Union Jack looks nice. I don't really mean that. I'm talking about what do our flags represent? Now, if you see a British, uh, British flag, uh, the flag of the United Kingdom, the Union Jack flying, It's a different feeling to seeing the England flag flying. Now, what do we associate with the England flag? Sometimes you see England flags being being flown from car windows or out of windows of people's houses. Normally, the England flag represents um, the football team. Okay, what else? Um, Scotland would become a republic. That's one possibility. And the Queen wouldn't be welcome there anymore. Either that or Scotland would keep the Queen as head of state, like in Canada or Australia, New Zealand. Uh, That's possible. Um, They would keep the pound, um, which is not what the UK wants. Scotland wants the the right to keep the pound, but the UK has said, well, if you become independent, you can't just keep our currency. So that's that's open to debate. Another possibility is that they would take the euro, 
um, that they would join the Eurozone. But this, I think, is not what Scotland wants. Um, and then there's another possibility, which is that they would get a new currency, like a different currency, which is a bit risky because it's hard to like survive when you've just got like one small currency and um, you know it's it's a little more risky. And which currency would they have? Another option is that they would join the European Union, but you think to yourself, well, why swap one union for another? It's like the United Kingdom, they are answerable to London. If they join the EU, they're just answerable to Brussels. It's the same kind of thing, isn't it? It's not real independence. Um, they would. Uh, another option is that they would try to strike a deal and join some kind of federation with other Nordic countries like Norway. Maybe they've got more in common with um, the sort of Nordic Scandinavian countries than they do with the English. And so it would make more sense for them to kind of get into some kind of union with them, maybe. Um, because, um, yeah, maybe they have more in common with them. That Scotland probably was... was um, colonized over a number of years many many years by vikings and it england was colonized by saxons so there's an argument to say that in fact the scottish and the english are ethnically different and the scottish have more in common with the nordic nations that's open to debate as usual um so what else um scotland would probably want to get rid of all the military technology which the UK has there. There are nuclear submarines and things like that. There's an anti-nuclear system called Trident, which um, is based in Scotland. So they would have to arrange for all of the military technology to be taken away and it would have to go somewhere else. Where would it go? Scotland would probably um, build their own army. Um, they, 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 it's unlikely, but they might erect border control at the, on the border with England and build, you know, a border so, you know, English people wouldn't be able to just go through into Scotland easily. Scottish people wouldn't just be able to come into England easily. There'd be like, you know, immigration control and stuff like that. That's unlikely. They would probably keep an open border. Uh, but it might be necessary to show your passport on entry if you're English. Uh, you, you know, you might need to get a visa or something if you want to go to Scotland. Um, they might impose greater taxes and tariffs on on goods entering the country. Again, it's unlikely, though. Uh, it's more likely that border controls and trade would stay the same, in fact, and that that would be seamless with the rest of Britain and Northern Ireland. Um, they would have to negotiate with England their responsibility for the UK national debt. Well, they'd have to negotiate with, with uh, Westminster their share of the UK national debt. You know, because of the economic crisis, the UK owes a lot of money. We've got lots of national debt. A lot of this is a result of our banks losing so much money and the, the, the Bank of England uh, paying the, those banks back or the Bank of Scotland. Um, a lot of money uh, was lost. And Scotland was responsible for a lot of that. I mean, lots of Scottish banks uh, lost money during the crisis. So they would have to negotiate how much of the national debt they are responsible for. And that would take a long time. That would be very complicated. They would also need to negotiate their share of North Sea oil. That would be complicated because they would discover it was owned, in fact, by corporations who wouldn't want to give it up without a fight. I'm sure that they know that already, but it would be complicated to negotiate the debt, the oil uh, ownership. Um, 
All of these things would take a great deal of time, effort, discussion, negotiation, lawmaking, administration, and by the time they get their independence, as they imagined it, the world could be quite a different place, and being on their own might not seem like such a good idea anymore at that point. Also, as well as affecting life in Scotland, it would also affect life in England. Without Scottish votes, for example, the Labour Party would be screwed. I mean, the right wing, the Conservatives, would end up dominating politics in England. The Conservatives would be rampant without the balancing force of the left-wing Scottish vote. Also, England might argue that it's time for them to have a devolved parliament of their own as well, a kind of English council or something. Um, And that would almost certainly be controlled by the Conservatives, maybe led by Boris Johnson. So the whole country in in England, England, if Scotland left, England would just shift rather dramatically to the right. The Tories, um, I mean, the Tories would, would have like a little bit too much dominance and i think the tories should always be held in check by left-wing voters but if we lost scotland we'd lose lots of our left-wing voters a right-wing england would not be a very pretty place in my opinion i mean do the tories really care about ordinary people we've heard some arguments from scotland that they feel alienated by the tories but it's not just the scottish there are plenty of people living in england who don't agree with the tories and who feel alienated by them too and so losing the scottish we'd be sort of losing some support we would be left to the mercy of the conservatives um and um I think the, the Conservatives would just continue to privatise things. They would privatise some of the great institutions that make England and the United Kingdom a decent place. The National Health Service, the BBC, for example, they would be under threat. It could be a big change for the worse if England becomes dominated by the Conservatives. Um, the heads of corporations who went to school with high-ranking Conservatives would benefit. Uh, but those in need, like the poor or just ordinary people would feel an economic squeeze, I'm sure. Also, and I've mentioned this already, what about our flag? What would it look like? It's not a big deal, really, but I quite like the Union Jack, and it would be a pity to lose it. Um, it's got value in the world, I think. People like the Union Jack. It would also, it, Basically, it would be a big punch in the stomach for so many of the things that we know and love about the UK. But perhaps change is inevitable, and there's not really anything we can do about it. Ultimately, this is up to the Scottish people. It's their decision. It's their choice. Personally, I hope that Scotland stays in the UK, but I do hope that we can arrange a deal in which they get the powers and representation that they crave. So I hope that we can make the Scottish happy, but we can also keep them in our union. I personally think we're better together, but I realise that I am saying that as an Englishman. But that's the situation. That's it. That's the Scottish independence situation. And that is my Scottish independence podcast and my opinion. But what do you think? What's your opinion on this? Um, And I'm actually going to add onto the webpage here a quick um, referendum. I'm going to open my own little Luke's English podcast referendum. Um, And um, I've discovered a way of creating a sort of uh, poll on my website 
So if you go to teacherluke.co.uk, find the Scottish independence episode, and you'll find a lot of a lot of the things I've said you'll find written on the page there. A lot of it's transcribed, not all of it. But you'll also find at the bottom a poll where you can vote, should Scotland become an independent country, yes or no? So you can, you can um, uh, give your vote, you can cast your vote, and we'll see what the people of the world think. Um, all right? So... Good. I'm, I'm very curious to hear what you think. You can leave your opinions as comments um, below the podcast and you can vote using the, the poll which you will find on the page. That is my episode on Scottish uh, independence and that's the end now. So um, that's it. Speak to you very, very soon. I hope that you're still awake and that all this politics has not made you fall asleep. I hope that you feel um, interested in the future of Scotland and the United Kingdom. And I also hope that you've sort of enjoyed hearing a few Scottish accents throughout this episode. Um, I like to try and expose you to different uh, accents. And uh, I thought this was the perfect opportunity to play you some different Scottish voices. Um, all right. So that's it for this episode. Speak to you again very, very soon. But for now, it's goodbye. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk.